Hello, I'm Aidan Gallagher. I'm Peter Reeves. Welcome to API, our integration podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to set the world to rights on various topics in the world of enterprise integration, and it scratches our collective itches as engineers who just want to uh, rant about enterprise IT over a cup of coffee. Or tea. Hello, Peter. Hello, Aidan. So what are we going to talk about today? Um, we we're going to talk about containers, and particularly containers as they're applied in the world of integration, enterprise integration. Do you want to tell us what a container is, Peter? Yeah, go on. Um, it is a Linux process running in a little, oh, I can't use the word containerized, can I? Running in a separate little section so that it's been oh, Karoot jailed off and so it cannot interact with stuff outside of its little box. That wasn't a very good explanation, was it? I think that probably describes a Linux container. Aren't all containers Linux containers? Mm, I don't think they have to be. I Surely, think they have to be. I thought that a container was more a concept than a physical construct. It's almost like we approach these technical questions differently. We do. I always seem to be on the theoretical level. And you often seem to be on the, yeah, but this is how I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, I like to be on the super detail-oriented, uh, like, 10-foot view instead of the 10,000-foot view. Exactly. Whereas yeah. I'm like, look, a container is a small as possible wrapping of code or software that is deployed with only its dependencies, so without mm-hmm. all the other junk, um, and it can be quickly ported, so it's portable, easily portable, and in the event of it going down, you should be able to quickly rebuild rebuild it and place it back in the same position in an architecture that it was before. Quickly reprovision it, because you're not yeah. really building it again. You're stamping it out from an image. I don't think it needs to be Linux, personally. I think that just happens to be what we do. I think it has to be Linux. Why? I think that containers uh, only run on the Linux platform as like a guaranteed thing. I think you can run them on other platforms, but there might be bits of compatibility layer in there. Uh, I think it's like guaranteed, like recommended platform type stuff. Um, I remember when I first started looking at containers and I was looking at some uh, deploying IBM MQ onto containers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was speaking to a a member of the team who's now retired and I remember saying, because obviously I was like, containers are new, they're exciting. Did he, did he say, containers will never take off? No. This is just rubbish. Oh. He said, they're not really new, because in mainframes, the way that mainframes work under the covers is like almost, they're almost containerized within themselves, is, is the way he described mm. it. And he said, it's not really new, it's just a, it's a novel spin of that existing technology and applying it to the way that we deploy what is a monolith to try and make it simple and easy to, yeah. to deploy. And really, I think containers have emerged from this... Uh, what came first, container or the Agile? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that containers were linked to Agile, to be honest. I felt as though containers are a kind of a necessary part of people's, and I hate to say it, cloud strategy. They're a necessary part of... Uh, the portability of applications and workloads. So I think that one of the, I, I would say that one of the big benefits of containers, obviously like the security stuff and the fact that your process runs in a little little box, a little 
a little root thing that it can't break out of and mess around with the rest of the things on the platform. I think one of the big benefits of containers is the fact that it means that anything, anything can be standardised and have a standard way of being deployed, run, managed, version controlled, executed, torn down, and that everyone is forced to conform to the spec, you could even say, of a container of, I think it's the open container format. If I type that into Google, I believe that's what the actual thing is. And then it can run on like a a Docker runtime or a a different container runtime and you can build it however you want. You can build it with Docker build, you can build it with whatever kind of farting around thing you've pulled off GitHub. But the fact of the matter is you can make your container image and you can then deploy it anywhere that has a container as a service type thing. And otherwise, in the previous, in the olden days, you would have to say, okay, here's my application and here's its install script. And first you've got to make sure you've got these users and groups. And then you've got to make sure that you've connected this bit of file system and here's a script. And then they go on the phone with the vendor. So you can almost, blah, blah, so you can blah, blah, almost blah, blah, blah. say that, that, that the need for consistency across multiple environments has stemmed, stemmed, led to containerization. Yeah. But I would say that almost agile manifestations or the idea that projects can be quickly built has led to using containers to deploy quickly. Does that, does that make sense? So, yes, we need to get standardization and we need to be able to deploy the same mm-hmm. thing repeatedly. And I've seen humongous shell scripts with, a, mm-hmm. with about 10, 20 associated shell scripts and they all call each other. Um, and that used to be part of a handover. Here you go. Now you can deploy <laughs> You can deploy what I've deployed before, and then you spend three weeks looking at it, and then you find something was broken that they hadn't fixed. You end up changing it, so it's not the same as what that person had before. So you, even by trying to create that standardization, even then you ended up with slight divergences in the actual deployment scripts. I think what containerization's done that is really good, alongside sort of DevOps growing at a similar speed at the same time, has meant that you can mm. rapidly deploy and I feel like DevOps, Agile and containerization have all moulded into some nice thing that fits together because you can deploy your containers easily, quickly in an Agile way. Boom. Yeah, it's um, it's like a, um, not a, not a vicious circle, a virtuous circle where the fact that containers are really easy and have got all this power feeds into people being able to, yeah, be Agile, iterate quickly, which feeds into... Uh, following this open this container standard which feeds into people being able to iterate quicker so they so they play off each other don't they they do i'm going to get in my favorite phrase the fact that containers have standardized so much that they have become the current application lingua franca because i now find that people they will often say okay that that product or that whatever you're talking about sounds great but it must be able to deploy onto a container like we've we've fully adopted the um, uh, like the container ecosystem, if you if you're if you're um, touting some product which as we yeah which installs with a massive script and a load of dependencies and comes in like as a weird package format, no thanks. That's simply we're not willing to support that anymore. Yeah, it has had a bit of a negative impact. I think not so much containerization. I'm probably about to go on a on a rant about DevOps and people not really understanding what they're doing anymore isn't that isn't that one of the benefits of containers that it allows you to not know what you're doing Uh, it's it's entirely okay it seems currently that you can not know a product 
you can start deploying that product. So you can raise bugs with the software company that is building the product. Once it's obvious that you don't know what you're doing, you just wait for somebody to sort of fix it for you who does know. I don't know about that. I think that's just normal day-to-day software software company stuff. People buy the product, people use the product, people figure out they don't know how to use it and they phone up support. So the point about being about containers being the lingua franca and not really understanding the underlying product. But no, I, I think I think that applies because um, that that is how applications work nowadays. Uh, with containers, I don't have to know at all what your development environment looks like, and you don't have to know what kind of hodgepodge my underlying cloud service looks like. For all I know, your cloud service could be um, stuck together with like string and staples and there could be all sorts of hellishness under there but I don't care because you can run a container on it cheaper than someone else good um those containers are the lingua franca that's what you're saying yes so I suppose the question is where does where do containers come into the integration world well the the benefits that we've just described are things which Service integration plays off in a very key way, things like being able to rapidly iterate, being able to deploy in a standardised way. Likely, the reason that you're having to build some kind of integration is because you've got two completely different things which are unable for one to meet the other, so you need to put some kind of uh, brokering solution in the middle. So you need something that is able to be uh, flexible and twisty and standardised and can meet and can meet in the middle between two difficult-to-integrate systems. Yeah, I think the main benefits we see from an integration side, and definitely what we end up talking about most with containers, is scalability, so the ability to both scale up and down. Scale in terms of number of environments, so be able to rapidly increase the number of environments that exist. And there's also the fact that you can easily upgrade. So I I found that the upgrade ability, upgrade ability, with containers is super useful as well. And that's because obviously you can provision a, a second container of the, that is exactly the same as the one you have of a, of an upgraded version of whatever software you're running on. You can test on the upgraded software and then once you're assured that, once you're sure that that's gonna work, you can tear the old one down and start mm-hmm. running on your new one. Yeah, like the container ecosystem has kind of grown and it, and it sort of encompasses all of the kind of nice, simple, logical bits of the world of IT. So whereas I can think of in the old world with big, fat physical servers, how you might have a load of servers hidden behind a load balancer in a load balancer group and you, and you drop one out, uh, perform an upgrade and bring it back. That sort of thing is kind of hidden away or it comes, don't say out of the box, but there are very many, there's many container management strategies, container orchestration platforms um, and, and services there that will do all those things for you. So as you were describing, it's very easy to kind of roll forward onto a new version or deploy a new version and not have a break in service. The big conversation I seem to be having uh, with people at the moment is around state. So containers are great and obviously they have their stateful they have stateful sets, you can have replica sets. There are ways of managing state within a container. Uh, is, that, is that a container thing or is that a Kubernetes thing? 
that's a Kubernetes thing. What if, what if someone was using a different container management platform, Aiden? <laughs> there are. There are no other. <laughs> there are no other container management platforms. There probably are, but I can't think of them at the moment off the top of my head. In a containerized world, you still have to consider state, and then you have to be able to communicate with some form of database in order to store the data. And then if you provision a new container, you need to be able to access that data. Now that is fine until you come to. Um, products which rely on state in order to function correctly or to provide the functionality that you're continuously promoting. So if you have a reliable message delivery, for example, but if you had a product that provided assured reliable messaging, it's assured. <laughs> you would need to make sure that those messages are always uh, available. So you couldn't scale down necessarily or couldn't scale down easily. And I think there's a lot of cases where containers aren't always going to be the best choice. And sometimes having the old monolith structure or having a, not even a monolith, you can deploy them in containers, but you need to be conscious of the state that resides on them. Um, because of the 12 factor wrap and uh, Heroku, have I said that right? Probably, I would say Heroku, but um, now, you're making, now you're making me worry that I've got the... Um... Emphasis wrong. Heroku. 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 Either way, because because of that, the idea that state is bad and everything should be stateless makes people think that you have to follow these rules to the law and that they they are a law unto themselves and that you can't deviate from that because of this idea that containerization is standardization and everybody does the same thing because it's easier to replicate if you've seen somebody do it before if there's other people doing the same thing because then if there's a problem. You go to them. Well, how did you fix that? I have a question. I thought that I didn't think that state was bad in container land. I know that obviously I'm coming at this from a, a more Kubernetes type slant, but 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 it's very okay. I don't want to say it's very easy because it's Kubernetes. It's it's very possible to uh, plug in a persistent volume and and provide a shared file system that uh, your containers can reside across and live across. While architecturally you might want to make stateless applications and integrations that can be stateless, you shouldn't shy away from having state in container land. I agree. And I'm saying that the statelessness comes from the 12-factor application, which specifically talks about state and an application being one or more stateless processes. And I, I think it's worthwhile just just putting my, uh, putting my flag down and saying that state's still important and being able to scale down your containers shouldn't always be the primary concern um, if it doesn't fit the stateful architecture that you need to implement. As in have, having a container that you keep and you keep alive and you don't shut down is a perfectly acceptable mm -hmm. use case for a container if it brings you other benefits like um, a smaller overall size of your system and an easier way of moving into an upgraded facility. Does Heroku really say that an application is one or more stateless processes? The 12-factor app, app does. I'm going to phone up Heroku after this and say, you really can't have state in an application. Phone, phone up and say, do you consider a database to be an application? 12-factor processes are stateless and share nothing. It's become an aspiration because people want to follow the... the the leaders in the containerized world. To be fair, 12 factors does sound cool. Imagine only having 11 of the 12 factors, but being able to have a consistent and insane database. I know. So container management systems, if I say to you, Peter, what is the predominant container management system used by companies today? What would you say? 
is is this like QI where if I say the obvious answer, you're going to make a klaxon noise? No, I want to hear you. Go on, say it. I want to hear you say, say it. it. Say it. Say it. It's Kubernetes. It's Kubernetes, or it's Kubernetes with a with a vendor's badge on it. So it's Google Cloud Platform, or it's OpenShift, or it's agreed. But under the covers, it's it's Kubernetes. Go on, tell me what container management system is. Or tell me what Kubernetes is. I would say it's a. I would say it's a container middleware. I'm probably. I probably get. You probably get told off by people at Google if you say that. Because, but that's what it is. It's. I've got my incredibly portable uh, method of. I've got my incredibly portable way of describing an application, a container image. I want to be able to run it with all the benefits of a middleware. I deploy it everywhere. Not need to know about the underlying hardware have someone else do all the complicated stuff around deployments, provisioning, rolling upgrades, managing all the connectivity to uh, data sources, bits of file system, managing all the security, making sure that only certain things can talk to certain other things. In in the old world, I would describe Kubernetes as a container middleware right out of the bat. But I think the word middleware is not very cool anymore, so I think we've got to say it's a container orchestration. Why would you use a container management system? What what is it used because for? Because you've you'd use it because you've outgrown using Docker run commands. <laughs> Honest, honestly, because once you once you're starting to do enterprise workloads, or you want to get the benefit of, um, as I said, uh, complex security, complex rolling updates, availability. Um, Availability, spreading your container platform cluster across multiple, multiple sites, availability boxes. zones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to go out and look for a solution that fits those things, and Kubernetes again provides you all that stuff. Oh, I suppose my question has been: Why is Kubernetes? or container management systems as a whole, why are they not now the single point of failure for any system that runs on containers? Because a Kubernetes cluster doesn't fail all at once. Okay, but imagine if the management system was to fail in itself. What if a Helm chart was to be deleted? Then Kubernetes wouldn't mm-hmm. know what it's doing and would fail. That's, that's, that's a human config thingy. So? Well, Buck's got to stop somewhere. You've got to take responsibility somewhere. If 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 you're if you're saying, um, uh, I I never want to go hungry again, and I say, okay, I've taught you to fish, I've taught this man to fish, and now he won't be hungry again, but then it turns out that one day the man says, oh, I'm not going to fish today, I'm going to starve instead. It's not my fault. Knew how to fish. Was that was that a, was, <laughs> was that a bad way of explaining? No, it? it sounds it sounds like you're saying, yeah, it might be a single point of failure. But never mind. No, no, I'm not saying that. Right. So, from from a technical point of view, um, what do you mean that the Helm chart is not going to just like Kubernetes is going to lose its config? I mean, yeah. I, why couldn't it? Why couldn't what? Why couldn't something happen on the container management system that means that it's unable to continue to provide the availability of the containerized products that you're trying to maintain? Um, you're saying, what if something just happened that meant that the container management platform decided to go out and stop all the container runtimes? 
What if something bad happened? What if something bad happened to your container management system? That's what I'm asking you. you then your highly available other container management systems running in the other availability zone takes over. Like I say, the buck has got to stop somewhere. If you've, 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 got, you've got an IT system which will never go down, yeah. and then you're saying, okay... Well, what if it goes down, or what if I don't use it? Then how's my when what's going to happen to your service? Oh, it's going to go down, isn't it? It will. You're you're right. I'd, it's just a a thought I I had. It's just it's 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 like this sort of like unreasonable question that that like consultants get asked. So it's things like configuration in a container management system. Do you pull it from an external resource, or do you get it from a local resource? Do you consistently replicate from the external resource into the internal resource? What if there's internet connections between the uh, internet connection loss between the two? That's the sort of thing you need to think about with container management management systems. You can sort of move away uh, from the availability of the containers themselves or some of the integration products because you've got replicated, repeatably de- uh, repeatable deployments, so they're often going to be the same. So actually. Mm-hmm. In our in our job as consultants, really the concerns that we have because of containerization have sort of been shifted onto other aspects of the overall architecture. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm saying. Containers has been okay. really good at helping us solve certain problems, but now there are there are new, fresh problems to to consider. Do you know how insurance companies don't pay out when like your house is destroyed by an act of God? Yeah. Do you remember when? AWS, like US East, fell over a couple of years ago. No, no, no it was. It, I'll say it's a big thing. It's a big thing for turbo nerds that do nothing but look at hacker news all day. Um, and it was this thing where it turns out that like a ridiculous number of people using hosting their stuff on AWS. It turns out um, basically, it turns out that tons of people only actually host their stuff on uh, AWS Zone East. Like they don't bother to do like global deployment availability type stuff and it was something like 60% of internet traffic disappeared because like so much stuff went because Amazon's US fell over for like a minute or something but it was like it was big news in clearly places that aren't like in like geeky news outlets so I think that in that case if your service fell over because so much of the internet also fell over you kind of got a free pass yeah it was that was kind of like the SLA act of God. I think people just because people trust that AWS is always going to be there. That the that the one time that it did actually fall over, and people were like complaining. Did you know that so and so random? Do you know that my my email marketing comp my email marketing service wasn't available? Oh well, uh, neither was sixty percent of the rest of the internet. So never mind. Never mind. That's what I really wanted to talk about. Obviously. Peter, it's been a highlight of a lot of our discussions recently is um, a certain amount of chaos that may or may not be associated with um, simians. However, I don't think we've got time to argue it right now. I'm going to propose uh... we do it in a, in a, in a set-aside um, podcast and we can talk a bit more about other testing techniques like Chaos Monkey as well. <laughs> Oh, it's your favourite, isn't it? Chaos it, is, it is my favourite. Right, go on then, Peter. In a couple of sentences, explain what containers are and why they're good, why they're bad. Oh, why they're good. Uh, containers are good because they are 
a standardized and safe method of deploying your application workload. Any bad bits? You've got to learn how containers work before you can use them. So you've got to do a bit of jiggery-pokery getting your otherwise normal application into a container. But it's not, it's not too bad. You can just Google Docker files. For me, containers are good because they allow easily replicatable uh, deployments. You can, with consideration, scale. And, um, yeah, it's nice to have consistency in across your environments. The reason why containers are bad is I think they make, they have the potential to lead to laziness in um in teams. That's the way it's the way of the world now. Everyone's lazy. Everyone's lazy. I think it's part of the consolidation of multiple roles into a single role and it requires you to have a lot of a lot of breadth of knowledge without necessarily the depth. Yeah, that's probably it. Okay. Well it's been good chatting to you, Peter. Hmm. Yeah, likewise. Lovely. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Bye bye. Goodbye. <laughs>